what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to the True Performance Show by Ziegler. Every positive pursuit in life, every progression of personal development, change is fueled by one thing, inspiration. It's the drive and the hunger that propels every good endeavor. Without it, we merely have a dream, but never actually move. With it, we can actually overcome insurmountable odds to achieve our desires, convictions, and calling. In this show, we come together to drill down into what really makes success tick and how we can apply it to our unique personal and work lives. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and right now we're going to inspire your true performance. Hey everyone, this is Kevin, and today I bring you episode 403 of the True Performance Show by Ziegler. Today's show is a Q&A show that Tom Ziegler and I Uh, did where we covered just some questions that you have submitted. Uh, Two ways you can submit questions to us, ask at zigshow.com is an email, ask at zigshow.com, and then ask.zigshow.com. You can go and record an audio or submit your question. Right now we're looking for questions on entrepreneurship and marriage for a show I'm going to do with my wife, Terry, in the upcoming weeks. Today's show, however, we hit three questions and we really go deep. One of them has to do with uh, just what you do when you are in an environment where people don't believe in more and they don't support and encourage you in more. What do you do? Do you just change your thinking? Do you need to get out of that and get into a new environment? We cover some of those topics in here. Uh, the next question is focused around, um, actually I'm scrolling down here to it so I can get, get a hold of it. Ah, just the aspect of looking at how you can do more with what you have, that there's always somebody, this came from a statement that I made in a previous show, actually, that this gentleman commented on and said how you can do, there's always somebody doing more with less than you have. They're doing more than you are doing with less than what you have. And that's not to shame you. That is to free you. And Tom actually talks about that aspect of being freed by that aspect. And we talk about a performance hack in there. I know that word's used a lot, hack, but it really is a performance hack uh, that art brings up again in relation to something we talked about. It actually has to do with physical fitness and some of the odd things that we do when physical fitness opportunities are right in front of our eyes. Then we have a question submitted that we really took a, a good while on, on sales, where somebody just their fear in and around sales and cold calling, uh, and yet they really liked public speaking and how they were just really working at some disciplines, but not feeling like they were progressing more and it was not helping their business and their income. And so we really dig into there and we took the opportunity to pull out two. We've had a bunch of 
uh, iTunes positive, great reviews lately in the past couple of weeks. But we also had two negative ones, like two and three stars, that both were on sales, both in regards to things that I personally, Kevin Miller, that I said that people did not like. And so we talk about that because it actually fit into uh, the question that was posted on sales. So that was, uh, that was interesting to get into as well. So that's what you can look forward to us covering in this show. Hey, speaking of iTunes reviews, there are a lot of great podcasts to listen to with the true performance show by Ziegler. Our intent is to inspire your true performance. All the knowledge in the world is meaningless. If you aren't inspired, you must have a core motive and the drive to take action in your life and do what needs to be done Otherwise, you might be excited and, and uh, you know, like listening to the positive information, but you don't change. We've all done this. We've all gone to the seminars. We bought the books. We bought the materials. We've done things, and yet we haven't changed. Why? We didn't have a big enough why, to quote Simon Sinek, who we recently had on a show. We didn't have enough why. We didn't have enough motive. We didn't have enough drive, and until those things are addressed— a lot of knowledge coming in that's good and hopefully it takes takes some it, it, it plants some seeds but we all are having we all have times of being frustrated at how time has gone by and we haven't done anything different we haven't changed anything okay that's what this show is about so i want to ask you well one i want to ask you uh, for a couple favors if you listen to the show and have not subscribed, please do so. Most people who listen to the show, we know statistically listen to nearly all of our shows. Subscribing gives you easier access to past shows. It also delivers each show directly to you. It also helps us know a more truer number of our listeners. And supposedly iTunes says it helps with the rankings too. And of course, the better our rankings are, the more people see the show and get exposed to this message of true performance. So please, if you would do us that favor, uh, subscribe. And we're really looking for a more truer number of our listeners. Um, number two, though, we want to know what we are asking you, what kind of shows do you like best? If you would leave a review in iTunes as soon as you can, uh, do you like these Ziggler clips, the, the, the clips that we play of Zig, eight, six, eight, 10 minute clips that we play of Zig Ziggler, classic clips on stage, and we break those down. Are those your favorite shows? Or do you like the Q&A shows as this show is going is where we respond to direct questions from people who are working to take real action in their lives and increase their personal performance? Do you like the interviews such as Simon Sinek and Seth Godin and so many people uh, who we interview, we bring in these people to talk about the aspects of how they have been, been impacted by uh, inspiring their own true performance? Or is there anything else that you would like to hear some more of in this vein of inspiring true performance and personal development and business development? So please, if you would let us know, leave a review in iTunes and tell us. And, uh, and, and if you, if you would, if you'd also, uh, let us thank you, put your name in the review. You can even email us again at ask at zigshow.com to let us know. So we can just thank you. Sometimes people put these amazing, uh, just heart stopping, uh, reviews in iTunes and yet we don't know their name and just uh, so much love to say thank you. Well, so here we go into this Q and a show. I'm going to bring, uh, in this, uh, recording of Tom and I, that we actually did about 15 minutes ago. I like to record the intro after we do the show. Cause it, uh, then I learned what the flavor is and I can let you in on it. Uh, so this was, this was fun. We had a lot of fun in this, but it was really getting into real people, real issues, how to take action in their lives, inspiring their own true performance, getting more out of themselves 
And we had some, uh, just some candid questions asked here that we really dug into. And it's not that we gave the perfect answer. We're in this boat with you guys. We're on the journey with you, but it's what we do day in and day out is address these type of issues and help figure out how can we inspire our true performance. So here we go. Okay, Tom. So diving into some questions here, this one starts off, dear sir, I want to ask you guys this, since there are many of us who wish to live our dreams, but don't or can't due to our own situations. We see successful people and feel I can never be like them. For those who wish to live a wealthy life, but are told by those close by them, we can never be like them. It's impossible. We are not like them, not even near their level. Why is it that people don't believe uh, yours truly? And it's Jayashina uh, Partaban, if I'm saying that right. And I paraphrased a bit there. Jayashina wrote us from Malaysia and um, incited difficulties due just to the circumstance and lack of opportunity, even in the country and surroundings. But uh, obviously, I think it's something we can all we can all relate to overcoming our circumstances. And and you know, Tom, I mean, I know it's easy to to, to quip out, hey, you know, you just gotta you gotta succeed no matter what your circumstances are. And there's of course truth to that. That's that's a lot of what we talk about uh, here, but there's also, there are realities to where we are and what do we need to do to deal with that? What are your first thoughts on it? Well, Kevin, there's a couple of first thoughts. Uh, first one is a lot of times we have the wrong definition of success. We compare our success to someone else. And that's a bad way to look at success. I believe, and, I, and this is one of the things that dad talked about, Success is not compared against someone else. Success is how well you do with the abilities that God gave you. And we can also put that into the condition or circumstances or environment that we're living in. Obviously, some environments are more conducive to getting an education, a free enterprise system, uh, mentors who've been down the road before. But wherever you are in the world, your number one priority is what can I do today with myself to improve myself? The second thing that just strikes me is whether it's families or cultures or environments, a lot of times I call it the, the crab pot mentality. And, and a fisherman will tell you that if you put, if you put some bait into a crab pot, if one crab goes in, they can eat it and they can leave. But if two crabs go in, as soon as one crab starts to climb out, the other one will pull them back in. And a lot of times, unfortunately, it's true that the people we are around, and sometimes they're our family, they put a limit on us. They put a ceiling on what we can do, and they, they will say things like, well, nobody in our family's ever done that, or, you know, we live in this town, and this town, this is all we do. We've got to change that thinking. The gr great news is for those listening to this podcast, is the ability to change that thinking is right at your fingertips because you're listening to this podcast, which means you can go and get literally hundreds of other podcasts by other people who can help you change your thinking. So first, create your own definition of success. Second, do something every single day to improve what you're doing and where you're going. And third is opportunity is everywhere. You have to take off what other people have put on you and say, that's not true. You can look around every society, every culture, every area of the world has somebody who said, nope, I'm not listening to them. I'm going to go do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And that those are world changers. And it's hard to be a world changer 
but that's a choice and decision. And it's actually just as easy to make that decision as it is to just sit there and do nothing. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things you said that are interesting. You said some environments are more conducive. And I think we would all say that, well, yeah, sure. It's easier here and there. And so when we talk about, okay, here's where you are and this is your environment and it's not the most conducive, which I think is what Jayashina was referring to. When, it, we change our thinking, but are there some times when we need to literally change our environment? I do struggle, Tom, with people who talk about, oh, I'm stuck. I can't move. Cause I think we can all say that. And oh, my gosh, here I am. I've got work. I've got business in this town. I have, uh, I have seven kids minimum <laughs> who are dependents who are here and involved. And, and so I, I think I can definitely uh, cite feeling stuck here, but if things are not conducive to the success that I feel called to, how important is it? And I think there are, there is some time when we have to look at things and go, when is it too much? When is it too much? Or, or it, it's so non-conducive. It's just overwhelming. We've got to get out. I've got to move. And it's interesting. I don't say this just because Jayashina is from Malaysia and that they, that, that, that he, and I don't know if it's he or she, but that they should leave. Um, but you know, it's interesting as we look at immigrants to, to America that I've, I was always intrigued by how many of them are so proud of where they come from. They're so proud of their heritage. They're proud of their country yet they left it because there was so little opportunity. There's so much more over here or somewhere else. And it was worth overcoming insurmountable odds to leave and to change life and legacy, even to come somewhere where there was more opportunity. That's a big deal. And so when we, if you take that and even come to a, a lesser, you know, somebody who's in a, uh, in a seemingly good situation, but maybe a bad work environment or uh, someplace that they feel is oppressive to them or just not, as you said, Tom, most conducive. I mean, my gosh, I lived in, I lived in 10 years, I know 12 years ago, I lived in Franklin, Tennessee. I lived on 90 acres and an old farmhouse had so much character, beautiful place. My family lived nearby. And now, I mean, Franklin is, you know, it's right outside of Nashville. And I feel like, oh my gosh, half of our podcast peers are from Franklin. It's like the podcast speaking author expert capital of the universe. Great place. You know what? It it just was not the most conducive for me, for my wife and I. Our hearts were in a smaller town. We're in the mountains. We're in a different environment and in, in, in different ways. There was nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't the most conducive. And I want to be the place that just, I can't help but have my heart sing daily by the surroundings to get the most out of myself. So, you know, it's, it's not a right or wrong, a black or white, but how important is it? Uh, and so again, I, I don't know if it's a question, Tom, but I feel like it, it often comes up. When are we in a certain place? Well, here we are. We're not satisfied. We don't feel like it's best. When do we, okay, change that stinking thinking. Okay. That, that's a fact, something we need to do. But there, is there also a time? When is it? Only you can say when, you know what? You also need to change the surroundings. You need to find a place that is more conducive. Yeah. I remember like it was yesterday listening to a Dave Ramsey podcast and, this woman comes, calls up Dave, and she's desperate. And she was living in a little town outside of a little town in New Mexico. And her husband was a ranch hand, and she was trapped. They had a fifth wheel. That's what they were living in. 
they pulled onto this property. Her husband was going to be a uh, kind of a caretaker, and he was netting $250 a week because they were charging him for electricity and water and everything. And she called up and said, Dave, what do I do? And he said, well, tell me about yourself. Well, she was educated, and she said, but I'm trapped here. And he said, well, can't you go to town to get a job? Well, our car's broken down. Okay, well, can you get a ride from somebody? Can you get your car fixed? Well, we don't have any money. We only make $250 a month. And every suggestion that he gave, mm-hmm. she had a reason why she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so what had happened is they built a prison in their own minds. And all the listeners, and I know he's got like 5 million listeners, mm-hmm. and I could hear them all, this collective voice going, <laughs> sell your truck, get a bus ticket, come to Franklin, Tennessee, go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And and walk by the help wanted signs and and each of you can get a job in a restaurant and make twice the money and it will be the start. But they were trapped in their own mind. Their truck was broken. All he could get was $250 and she was too far from town to work. And so we have to make this decision that we're not going to be trapped in our own mind anymore. And that is a different situation than somebody who is truly under oppression. So I don't want anybody in the world listening to this to think, well, that's good for you to say, but I'm being persecuted. I, I can't, you know, I can't move. I we're not talking about that. the The second comment is we just had Brexit. You know, the British exit from Europe. It's all the news, and right now the shockwaves are going through the financial communities of the world. And Great Britain and you know half are furious that they're not leaving, and the other. And literally, it's like 50-50. It's 51-49 or 52-48. The other half is glad that we're staying, but nobody knows what's going to happen. Here's the reality. You can either view this situation as an opportunity to grow and to figure out how to solve new and different problems, or you can throw in the towel and say, well, the world's conspired against me, and there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. Here's the reality. There is no downside to the first option. The first option looks out with hope. It says, what have I got to learn and what can I do today? And if you take that attitude, then your chances of success are dramatically better, no matter the circumstances, than if you buy into the negative self-talk, the negative words in the media. So here's the thing. I think our listeners are pretty smart. So why would you do anything other than what's going to give you the best chance? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, so on that, and it's interesting, Tom, you and I, before we started this, as we were just chatting together, we're talking about community and the power and the desire people have for community that in this, in this question that was posed, and I, I just want us to keep digging in here. You know, the, the uh, Jay Sheen is talking about obviously a community that is not conducive to success. It sounds like it is toxic to success. There's a lot being written today and and there always has, but sometimes things come around in cycles about the power of community and culture. I recently read a book called the blue zone solution by Dan Buettner. Matter of fact, I was, when I was thinking about this, uh, last night, Tom, uh, I hit him up for an interview. I'd love to have the guy, uh, on the show. He studies in this book. He studies the eating and living uh, or how to eat and live like the world's healthiest people. So they went around and found these six areas worldwide, Okinawa uh, and um, uh, Nassaro, Costa Rica, and yada, yada, yada. And he, of course, talks about the things that these people do, that they're, that they're, and, and they're different you know, there, but a lot of the same things of how they eat and how they live. But the crux of his message 
is that it's not that hard for them to do these healthy things because they simply live in a culture that fosters it. And here's Jay Ashina, like so many people talking about, gosh, I want to yearn for more. I want to strive for more, but I'm, I'm, I'm by myself. I am alone. And, uh, you know, so to these people, I mean, hardly any of them, I, I really like this piece of it. Hardly any of them exercise. They don't actually, they don't have gym memberships. None of them, uh, in these areas he's talks about, they don't do that. They don't go to proactively exercise. They simply lead lifestyles that include necessary movement as part of their daily lives. that results in them burning five times more calories than the average American. They eat fresh food because everybody there eats fresh food. That's just part of the culture. They have a faith-based perspective that gives them more hope and faith because that's just part of the culture. They don't know anything different and so on. So, you know, to me, as I was looking at that, what is it? They have positive peer pressure. And here we have so many people talking about negative. And Tom, I know that you, like me, are, are, are blessed, but we also did the work that we are. I am surrounded by positive people in my home. I work with you. Uh, I have another business partner and my friends. We all have similar interests and we, I have positive peer pressure. The reality, the, the value of going to find a place where you have positive peer pressure, peer pressure towards the things that you feel called to is dramatic. And so I'm kind of poking at this Tom because I know that, I mean, my gosh, we, you know, a lot of people know Victor Frankel and he's in a prison in a, you know, POW camp for, I have no idea, a long time. And I read his book. What was his classic book? Uh, um, man's you're something for meaning. Quest for meaning. Chris, there you go. Man's quest for meaning. Victor Frankel. And so here he is in a place where he can't change anything but his mind. Everybody should read that book because it's it's a no matter where you are, you have the power to change your mind and change your reality. Okay, yes, absolutely. Well, but also, so I read that book. I own that book. I love that book. I also, though, have have created my circumstances and I busted my butt to do it. So that I am in the place that is the absolute most conducive. If I can't be positive in the lifestyle that I've created, then there's no hope for me. Maybe I am the weakest person on the planet. I'm the anti Victor Frankel and I had to make it as easy as possible, but you get the point. It's both. It's the bother as, as one of my friends likes to say, but to, to create that, get in a place where you have positive peer pressure. It is, it's hard to overcome when you have negative and it's hard not to grow to a positive direction when you have that positive peer pressure, but you have to go out and yeah, again, going back to, I mean, there's people who have, who have overcome insurmountable odds, you know, swimming across the ocean, whatever it is to migrate to, to America, to find a better opportunity. Where is it in your life that you need to migrate to? <laughs> I love that. And, and dad used to say, if you want to lose weight, go see a skinny doctor. <laughs> That's good. And if you want to get financially fit, don't take advice from broke people. Mm-hmm. All right. If you want to increase the happiness in life uh, with your relationships, don't get advice from somebody who's been divorced over and over again. And, and I think when we when we put it in that context, it's absurd that anybody would ever do that. But guess who we go and seek for advice? Our inner circle of friends. And a lot of times our inner circle of friends, they're not doing so well financially or physically or relationally. So that's where we can draw the line. Hey, I can hang out with you. I can be your friend. You're my family member. I can't do anything about that. But look, when it comes to how to have healthy relationships, I think I'm going to pattern my decisions and follow the advice of people who have a track record of success. There. Absolutely. Well, so there's, I mean, for, for all of us, as we look at the things that we want to progress towards and if we have any fights 
or challenges or obstacles from our environment, whether it's where we work and the people we work with, whether it's our home life and relationships there, whether it's uh, friends or lack thereof, we have to desperately go after. And, and this is where so many of them, uh, you know, you need to, some people need to pay for it. You need to pay for a coach, pay for a consultant, go to an event, find those people. I mean, I know that that's a big part of the Ziegler, Ziegler legacy certification. People invest a lot of time and money to come there and the connections that they make are worth their weight in gold. It's worth the price of admission because I met this person. I got involved with the Ziegler family. Now they can contact you at any time, Tom, and, and you have this community of successful people who can't help but be successful. It's interesting how uh, that has. Matter of fact, I'll have to tell you this. I have a, a lady that I work with, and uh, she's an employee and uh, is obese, significantly obese, had a hard life and had a lot of stuff happen. She has come so far, but she has a long way to go. Guess who I connected her with? Glenn Keller. Uh, Ziegler legacy certification. The guy, for those of you who don't know Glenn, he came to a certification. I'm telling your story, Tom. He came to your certification course. You had just recently, he, he was obese. He's a truck driver and you had me had recently watched, um, what's it called? Fat, sick, tired, nearly dead. What's it called? Yeah. Got sick and nearly dead. The juicing, the juicing video. Yeah, a documentary. And one of the main characters is a guy at a truck stop, obese, and he takes on the juicing, changes his life. He's one of the speakers or presenters for this that business now or that that uh, that message. And you told Glenn about it. He went and did it. His life has changed not only from that, obviously, but now he's ZLC certified. He's a certified um, uh, with Ziegler. And now I have him connected. He is leading not only this lady that I intimately know, but so many others. And he has, he doesn't know anything different than the peer pressure of positivity now because that is, he changed his world. Yeah. Changed his world. So how do you guys need to change your world? How do I need to change my world? Goodness. Okay. Well, there was a show right there, but let's hit another question here. This, uh, hello, Kevin says, thank you for completely changing my perspective. There are people out there doing more than I am when less with less than I have. I will now work towards shortening that list every single day. Also getting to do things versus being burdened is a thing of perspective. And I'm so glad you reminded me of that fact. There are people older than me. I'm 28 that because of lack of movement have atrophied and can't clean their house or complete some other physical task anymore. I can. Most importantly, I will continue to do so even though I can hire someone right now to do it. I'd rather use it as my cardio work out, work out and listen to personal development at the same time. I may not be doing the most, but I know that I'm doing a lot more than others who have more. Thanks again. Sincerely, Art Gomez uh, Tagle. Well, and I wanted to pull that out. I appreciate that, Art, but he's referencing some past uh, shows that we've done and uh, some ideas. One was the propensity to make excuses and have reasons why we are victims and have, have a reason to be less. And yet we can always find somebody doing more than we are with less. Now it's not to minimize anybody's circumstances, kind of like what you, you mentioned a minute ago, Tom, it's not to minimize anybody's circumstances and, and to not give gravity to some of the, the harsh realities that, uh, that happen to some people. But, and it's not to shame us. Hopefully the idea though is to free us to look around and go, gosh, I, I've got some challenges, but there's somebody with less doing more. Can I take that chain that I have on me that's limiting me, let go, and realize that I still can do, I can do more. I don't have to be chained by that. Can it, can it free us? Can it free us? Do you find that, 
Tom, that again, I, I don't want that to shame people, but there's always somebody doing something more with less than we have. Can that free us? I say it all the time. We just had a, a podcast guest. We haven't released that one yet with Don uh, Yeager. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he talked about, he studied world-class coaches, athletes, and teams. And he's had all these interviews with them. And, and one of the commonalities of, this, of the truly top level in any is they want to look around at their teammates with their chin up and look them in the eye and inside know, hey, I left it all on the, on the court today. I left everything on the field today. In other words, there's never a, uh, an excuse for effort or attitude. Sometimes we get beat because other people have more talent or we, you know, we started off in a hole or the game stacked or, or whatever. But I don't think that's the way, once again, we don't judge success that way. We, we judge success uh, not from where, you know, it, success is about what we do with what we have. And when we can look at success stories of other people uh, who've been burned at nine years old and now are inspiring hundreds of thousands of people with their story and, or people who uh, Nick Wojcik, who's one of my good friends born without arms and legs. And yet when I look at him, he's the most fearless person I've ever met personally. I mean, here's a guy who is 100% defenseless. He can't put his hands up because he doesn't have any and he can't run away. And yet when I look at him, I think he's fearless. And then he will tell you in a split second that he battles demons about, uh, you know, emotional distress and things like that. And so we all go through it. We're all in the fire and and we can always uh, draw strength from others who overcome insurmountable odds, at least in our imagination and our mindset and what we see. So use that to inspire you and make sure that you're not judging yourself unfairly. Uh, what we've got to do is focus on effort. I know this is an old, old study, but uh, when they evaluate how well kids do in school, if if you compliment a child on how smart they are over and over and over again, as soon as the problems get bigger and bigger, they give up very quickly. But if you compliment a child on how hard they work over and over, hey, I, I just appreciate your effort. You know, that's hard. I, I'm glad you're working on it hard that when the problems get bigger because their value is in how hard they work and how much effort they put into it rather than some gift that they have no control over, which is their intellect. Uh, We do have some control over our intellect because we can choose to learn or not learn, but we all start off with kind of what we have. If we focus on the things that we can control and maximize that, man, our, our proposition for success is so much better. Why haven't we had Nick on the show yet? I think we should. I think we should too. His story okay. is ridiculous. Okay, let's have Nick on the show. All right. Well, hey, I got a, I got a story. This, this this comes off of something uh, when uh, let me go back up here. Art talked about that he is pursuing just some physical wellness and doing some physical tasks. So I got to tell you the story for those of you who don't know what he's referring to. Uh, I'm going to call it a performance hack. Okay, so it's it's kind of a little soapbox that my wife and I came to. So we're fitness advocates and uh and we got to talking about it and we thought you know it's kind of you're not advocates you're fanatics okay fanatics then i was trying to come up with a more positive word but uh we'll we'll call that yeah fitness fans how's that uh but that how how odd it is that we in our culture and i've i've done this before as well we'll hire someone to mow the yard 
Hire them now for us to chop the wood. Hire them to shovel the sidewalk. Hire people to do, you know, those strenuous things that we think, uh, from a business standpoint, especially think, geez, now I can, if I'm making whatever it is, 50 bucks, 500 bucks an hour, whatever level you're at, I can pay somebody a lot less, 10 bucks to do whatever, eight bucks, while I go do something at a greater rate. That makes sense, right? So we hire people to do those things, but then we get in our car, drive to the gym where we pay money and still take time to work out. I'm thinking, hmm, does that make sense? So, so here's an, a good analogy. So we built a big house high up in the Rocky Mountains. It sits at 9,200 feet. Uh, we get a good amount of snow. We have a big roof. Uh, but I didn't know any better building this thing. And for some reason, the bank still let me design the thing and build it. Uh, so the north facing side of our roof is about 1500 square feet, just the one side of it. And in the winter snow gets there and it doesn't get direct sunlight. So, you know, it melts a little bit, but then it just refreezes. So the first year it developed a big ice dam, started leaking into our house, big debacle there. So I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? I've got to go construct a new roof with a different angle, a steeper angle, uh, try to put metal roofing on it, maybe see if that'll fix it by heating coils, all these different things. Or I, I realized because what I had to do right then was I had to get up and shovel the thing. Well, you know what? It's a pretty shallow, uh, um, uh, that's the bad part of it, shallow angle. So it's not that dangerous. I'm up, up on my house in the middle of the woods. It's a great view. And if I bust my butt, it's about 20 minutes of the most killer arm and back workout that's what I do. That's what I do. So I get up there on the weekends because I don't have to do it immediately. I'll get up there, bust my butt. And then it leaves this huge pile down that my kids love to play on, slide down, tunnel through, whatever. It's kind of a win-win all around. Yet anybody would tell me, well, that's a dumb, uh, you need to get that fixed. Well, it's a, I have to do it. I can't let an ice dam. So I, I'm required to to do this thing, it's great accountability. So I have a built-in workout system every winter. And then I can say on the, on the summertime, it's kind of the same way. We have uh, our, the, the electric heating, floor heating we built is not the most efficient. And it cranks my electric bill up. We also love having a fire. So in the summer, what am I doing? We're cutting, dragging, uh, piling wood, same thing. So it's kind of a year-round system around the snow and the heat that keeps us active. We do it as a family a lot, not the shoveling on the roof. I keep that to myself, but the rest of it we do. And, uh, you know, it's a different way of looking at our fitness. So go out there with your push mower and, and bust your butt a little bit, swim or sweat a little bit instead of going to the gym. Uh, just a different way of looking at that. So I appreciate the art pulled that out uh, cause that's an interesting thing. Plus I got to say my dad owned a health club when I was a kid. I've had all the hot sweat smell in the gym that I can handle. Uh, I'd much rather be in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> all right. One more, Tom, one more. I want to hit here because it hits on sales. Aaron Mercer says in a recent podcast, you spoke about selling and fear. It was mentioned that public speaking and fear of rejection and failure go hand in hand and mastering one would help the other. I have my own business. I hate calling to sell. It makes me cringe. I took a part-time job at an insurance agency where I knew I'd have to make a lot of calls because I wanted to force myself to get better. I've been here for four months and every call is a struggle. My delivery has gotten better, but my, my desire to do it and fear around it has not it's like pulling teeth since I dislike it so much. I don't think I'm very effective. However, I love public speaking. I'm not afraid of that at all. I regularly read in front of hundreds of people at my church and I love it. I need to get on the phone and follow up to be successful in my business. I thought the large volume of calling would erase the hesitation. What am I missing here? 
Um, well, Aaron, I thank you for posting that. It's a wonderful question. And it gives me a reason to address a recent negative review we received on iTunes. So I'm going to hit that one, Tom. You ready? Uh, Al from Philly gave us three out of five stars and he wrote, I want to say, first of all, that some of the content's good on the show. So listen and decide for yourself. However, there's also some dangerous advice being dished out by one of the hosts. That would be me. Specifically when it comes to sales, one of the hosts proudly states that he's a great salesperson despite never having made a cold call. He closes 90% of 95% of his leads. He proclaims that's because he doesn't interact with uh, with them until they're ready to buy. He uses the Ziegler name to get attention for his products, which affords him this luxury. He doesn't know another world where most people are selling a product or service no one's heard of. I suggest that if you follow his advice and wait for prospects to come to you, you'll be in a world of hurt. Zig would be appalled. Okay. Well, a couple things here. Uh, first, if you ever experience a great product or service, but have a disagreement with a person involved, please have the decency to take it up with that person and not, not publicly post a bad review on iTunes. Come on. Uh, but second, um, you know, have your facts right too. I, I've made in that, uh, that was a past show. It wasn't that long ago. And it wasn't that I've never made a cold call. So I've made plenty. I don't like them. I realized it's not my favorite tactic. I think I'll look at a different angle and I studied sales and put my effort into great sales content and filters that attract my target market to me and weed out the others. So the folks that I end up talking to have already been filtered and brought to me by the, 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 by other sales content. And I do have warm prospects, but uh, as far as a Ziegler name, most of my stories come from prior to a year and a half ago when I started with Ziegler's. And, uh, you know, I'm currently involved in a massive healthcare initiative, selling something that not one in a thousand Americans have ever heard of. And, but when my phone rings, I close 95% of those sales, but it's because they have been directed through our channels and through the internet and they've looked at the videos and the content that I've written. And so by the time I, I get them, yeah, I get hot prospects, but I did my selling up front. Um, but Aaron, I am totally with you. I mean, for the most part, I don't fear cold calling. I don't like it. Uh, but you know what, Tom, I heard this and it was one of the clips that we've played in recent year or so from Zig where he didn't like it much either. He didn't, he said, I think in the show, he said, you know, I never woke up and I was just so thrilled to hit the road and go out there and sell pots and pans door to door. Um, but I did it, I did it. And, uh, I, I learned and I increased and, uh, you know, back then there wasn't a lot of opportunity like there is now to do some good filtering out there and to do the work to draw people to you. But Aaron, I also, I, yeah, I'm much more comfortable doing this public speaking in essence. Now this isn't in front of a group of people, but I've done plenty of that too and, and do that. Uh, but Tom, let's speak to, I mean, I love the discipline, Aaron, that you're showing and in this, that you are doing the work, but you don't, you still have that fear. I mean, Tom, man, this is your bread and butter, you know, in looking at a methodology of sales that Aaron Sanders, that, that, that again, it's E-R-I-N. So I don't know if it's he or she uh, is doing the work, but is still not comfortable with it. What is, what's some counsel? Well, one story I love, one of our uh, Ziegler legacy certified trainers, Chris Patterson, when he, uh, had his first face-to-face encounter with my father. It was over 20 years ago. And Chris was the manager of a large gym in our neighborhood in Plano. And Chris took over the gym for the, for the organization. It was called the Q. They had brought him in from another state to turn this club around. It was in the bottom 10%. And they needed the revenue to go up. And so he comes into the club. And he starts instituting the Ziegler 
material, the Ziegler information, all that uh, sales training and wisdom that we've been teaching for years. So his whole staff knew that Chris loved Dad and loved Zig Ziglar. Well, lo and behold, uh, Zig Ziglar walks in there one day, and as part of their system, they took Dad's driver's license. The person at the front desk said, oh, I need to give this to Chris. Goes back to Chris and says, hey, Chris, do you want to give this man a tour? And Chris looked at him and said, are you, you know, that's not my job. That's your job. I'm here to train you how to do that. And the guy said, Chris, I think you're going to like like this guy. You're going to want to do it. Hands him the card. Of course, it's his idol, Zig Ziglar. Chris takes him around, shows him, uses all, you know, he's very complimentary, uses a lot of questioning like you do in sales. They go to the closing room, which is common in that industry. Mm-hmm. Chris lays out the two options and asked Dad a question, and Dad responded to him with this. Young man, you know who I am, don't you? And, of course, Chris smiled and said, yeah. And so, making a long story short, Dad signed up, and then Dad said to him, Chris, I need a personal trainer. Do you know anybody here who could work me out when I come in? And Chris, as a young man, idolizing Dad, knowing where he wanted to go in his career, said, Mr. Ziegler, if you would let me, I'll work you out, and I'll do it on one condition, and that's you be my mental coach while I'm your physical coach. Awesome. So the first time Dad goes to work out there, Chris puts Dad on the biceps machine. Now, you got to understand Dad. Dad is competitive. Uh, he was a boxer, very athletic. Everything was solo sports. So, so Chris puts dad on the bisect machine, the preacher curl, if you've ever seen mm-hmm. one of those pieces of exercise equipment. And he puts the weight in, and he's not thinking too much. And he said, the next thing I know, Mr. Ziegler is going one, two, three, four. And then he gets to like eight, and he starts to strain. And Chris looks at the weight, and he realizes that he put kind of a good amount of weight for somebody nearly 70. Mm-hmm. Nine, 10, 11. Dad's now straining. 12. 13, Chris said that Mr. Ziegler, dad's veins were popping out on his forehead. He was sweating as he went 15. And Chris is like, Mr. Z, Mr. Z, you don't have to kill yourself. It's okay. We put too much weight on there. Slow down. And he said, my dad did one more set. And as he, one more rep, and as he put the weights down, he looked at Chris and he said, son, you don't have to like everything you do. And it's just this this moment where Dad wasn't wasn't working out because he wanted to to you know have the biggest biceps in town. He was thinking about that stage that he was going to be on with a chance to change somebody's life. Yeah. And so that gave him the discipline, the willpower, the motivation to do the things he had to do so that he could do the things he wanted to do later. And so anybody who's struggling with cold calling, hey, I'm with you. That's that's just not a lot of fun. It's you really you've got to have the discipline to start. You've got to make those first five or ten calls, bang, 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 until you get that anxiety down. And you do. You get hung up. You 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 get disconnected. You get people who say no. And then whatever your uh, industry is and what you're offering, you know whether it's ten percent or twenty percent that you connect with who want to go on to the next stage, you've got to keep your focus not on the read the bicep curl that's not why you're there you're there for the 
end result, which is to change lives. So we've got to take the pressure off it. We don't have to like or love everything that we do. We take that pressure off. And secondly, we have the big why. Dad was smart enough in his own sales career to know that if he was going to be successful in, in his day, he had to be knocking on the door at 9 a.m. He set an appointment with himself to be knocking on the door every day at 9 a.m. In the sales or cold calling world or whatever the activity is that you feel the greatest reluctance and resistance to, the, one, the two tips that I give you is have an appointment with yourself every day at the same time to do that. It could be 8 to 10, 9 to 11, whatever it is. And just before that appointment, put some zig between your ears. Yeah. Get motivated on the way into work. Listen to the right kind of stuff and have a picture in your mind of why you're doing it while you're doing it. Hone the skill, hone the technique, always improve and sharpen the saw so that you're more effective on the phone. Be okay with the fact that it's not the most fun, the most gratifying, the most likable thing you could do all day. But no, just like working out, the rewards and the benefits are worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to add in to, you know, Aaron, that I would also counsel you to look at some other aspects of sales. Is the way you're doing the only way to do it? Um, you know, I, I do like finding ways to attract people and filter them before you have to talk to them. Again, I've, I've always figured out ways where I don't have to do a cold call. So if you don't like that, I mean, I don't know what insurance uh, style or type of insurance that you're in, but you're selling something people need. And to go out and speak to their needs and wants and desires and fears in an authentic, caring way, I think there's some other opportunities for you. And to utilize your speaking skills and comfort level as well. Um, you know, but to go, you, you need insurance in my experience of the insurance that I bought. I bought it from somebody I trust. Bottom line, I can't take it and compare it and go, no, I bought the absolute best insurance. Ultimately, it's complex enough. I bought it from somebody that I trusted. Well, how can you gain trust with people? You can do it outside of insurance channels, whether you're getting involved in groups and organizations, volunteer, serve, uh, help people. It's Zig. Help people get what they want. And as Zig says, you will get what you want. But I'd also look and encourage you to, to look into some personal coaching on sales, find someone who's wildly successful in your area of business and your type of insurance, but then also find one that's doing it in a fashion that fits. Cause you may find somebody in your area of insurance who's doing cold calls, knocking it out of the park. That's what they believe in. That's what they're going to espouse and advocate to you. Okay. Go find somebody else uh, who's doing it in a different way. I bet you can find them and see how they're doing it in a way that fits you better. Um, so a lot of counsel to go with there. And yeah, sales is a primary thing as a part of, of Ziggler. And we've got some great stuff. If you go to Ziggler.com, you'll find things from live events uh, to, to books and CDs and things on sales. I mean, Zig's books, Secrets of Closing the Sale, uh, the sale is one of the all-time uh, bestsellers. But there are, again, we're in a different world where there are different ways to do things. We know most people, the sale is often made online first. And that's a statistical truth. So I, I'd, I'd encourage you to do some homework there. Hey, Tom, one more thing just on the aspect of sales that I think to do justice to another negative review that we got. Yeah, we've had so many great ones as you were looking at before we got on the call. Great iTunes uh, reviews lately. But this is from Janice Ward. She said, I don't remember the title of the podcast, but I do remember what was said. Kevin Miller said that if someone was depressed, that they shouldn't be in sales. 
for a podcast claiming to be motivational and inspirational. You were neither. Well, you know what? First off, Janice, I'm sorry. I, I truly am. Um, there, you know, I am, uh, I'm an individual, a flawed guy with my own opinions and I don't knock it out of the park every time. And I'm sure there are uh, other times you're probably speaking for one of a lot of people who didn't take the time to go and post something or contact me. And so I apologize for, uh, for, for just disappointing you in that sense. Um, now in that, and Tom, you talked about it just at the, at the end of what you said just a minute ago, that before you make that sales call, pump yourself up, listen to some Ziggler stuff, get inspired. That's absolutely what I'm speaking to. And if you're in a place of being depressed, well, it's as, as, as Tom, and I don't know if you said it or Zig said it or, or what, but it's something that's said, uh, that we, that we say a lot here that sales is a transference of feelings. So if that's true, which we believe it to be, then how we are feeling is going to transfer. So if we are feeling depressed, if we are struggling with that in the moment or ongoing, that's a hard place to be to then go sell a transference of feeling. And again, sales, we're so often selling us, we're selling ourselves, we're selling trust in us. So if we are depressed, that is difficult. That is absolutely difficult. Tom, give a couple thoughts towards that. Yeah, actually, in our uh, sales programs, we talk about the key elements of a sales system or the elements of a sale in the process. You've, you've got to do prospecting. You've got to uncover the need. You've got to build a relationship. You've got to do a good product or service offer, you know, the presentation that you give. You've got to do uh, overcome objections. And you've got to manage all these things. Well, one of the things that we actually built into our system is motivation. A salesperson has to learn how to self-motivate. It almost sounds like self-medicate, doesn't it, Kevin? <laughs> self-motivate. As a salesperson, you you know you drive your car, you steer your ship, you you are you know you're the pilot of your plane. You control your destiny. There is no cap on what you can make, uh, especially for those who are more and more commission-only focused. And the fuel that you put in the tank is going to be the most important thing that you can do all day because selling is a transference of feeling. Is your attitude contagious? But let's face it. Salespeople have bad days. Life happens. You know, the, uh, the, the dog runs away and the car won't start. I mean, there are things that happen in our life. And so what that means is we have a responsibility to become an expert in motivating ourselves. Self-motivation, growth motivation comes from within. So we've got to understand clearly our dreams and goals. Why are we doing it in the first place? Where are our friends and our partners who can support us? Many, many great people I know, uh, from early in their sales career, they found a buddy, a sales buddy. And they would have a habit of having a three-minute call every day where one would pump the other one up and then vice versa. Man, you're going to do it. You're the man. Who are you calling on? Tell me about that. Wow, that's going to go fantastic. Do a little brainstorm. Three minutes. So they had a built-in um, inspiration and accountability buddy at the same time. I know people who started in the same career in their early 20s at the same company. And now, 25, 30 years later, 10 different job opportunities each. They're still doing this for each other, motivating and holding each other accountable. So. Yeah, Kevin, maybe, maybe sales questions aren't your forte. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should steer clear. <laughs> I'm just, 
I'm just kidding there. But of course, the the, the Ziegler the Ziegler uh, methodology is always proactive, and it always assumes ownership, and that is we can own our own attitude. Yeah, and, and now, for, go ahead. Well, yeah, and if folks, if you hear that and it doesn't sound, I mean, the, again, if you listen to Ziegler Sales Council, it is about caring. It is about being authentic. But if you hear some of that, is there an aspect of performance? Uh, Tommy, I, I say, yes, there is. I mean, if you look at TED Talks, okay, TED, T-E-D, the, the videos, uh, one of the most influential uh, channels, I would say, out in our world today are the TED Talks. We just recently had Simon Sinek on, and he has the third most Watch TED Talk of all times, over 30 million now. So those folks, these are folks who have great messages, proven messages, amazing, revolutionary messages. However, today, they are required to rehearse in front of folks. They have to prove that they can take that message and they can do a great job communicating it well and delivering it in an inspiring way so that the message connects. Otherwise, they're taking the time on stage to give a great message, the contents of a great message, but if they don't do it well with an aspect of good performance, then it won't help anyone. So there is this point. It's it's both. It's be authentic, care about people. This isn't about being slick and shiny, but it is about performing. It's a good delivery and, again, a transference of feeling. So we have to get our checkup from the neck up. And, uh, I, I, Tom, I know that's dramatic when I feel confident, man, I can connect with people when I don't, well, maybe I connect with them, but I, I connect stuff that they don't want to be connected with, you know? Uh, so, Hey, I hope that's helpful. And, and, and folks, you know, sales, that is, that's a specific area that we focus on here. Feel free to send your questions in about that or your thoughts on what we've talked about today on any of these aspects. You can do that at ask and send an email, ask at zigshow.com, or you can, uh, go to ask.zigshow.com and you can submit your question or your comment in an auditory way, or you can write it out there as well. Tom, um, man, always fun to do this with you. I could do this with you all day. Thanks. Yeah, I love questions. Absolutely, folks. Send them in to us, and we'll do another show in a few weeks. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in where we are inspiring each other's true performance. We'll be with you in the next show. 